Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Welcome to the Open Mic Podcast with your host, Brett Allen. Join us each week as Brett interviews extraordinary and amazing people. At the Open Mic, no topic is off limits, and you never know who will drop by. Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Brett Allen here. Thanks for joining in. Episode number 38. That's episode 38. Kimberly Friedmutter is our guest. She is an author and a hypnotherapist. She has a book out called Subconscious Power, and we dive into that book in this fantastic and very intriguing conversation. We talk about so many different things. We talk about COVID-19. We talk about making bad choices. Are we subconsciously drawn to the types of relationships that we have, the types of jobs that we take, the types of friends that we make? And we deconstruct all of that and have a very good and very insightful conversation. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. I'm so thankful that I get to talk to so many amazing people. This fantastic guest was brought to me by Kelly Springer, Kelly KPR. Thank you for that. I hope everybody's doing okay. I mean, you know, life is just so crazy right now. We feel like we're kind of coming to the end of things. And then all of a sudden... We just kind of circle back around and things are not as they seem. Hopefully we will come out of this soon. But uh, lots of great content for you. Lots of great episodes. We will do our best to make the lockdown, the quarantine as enjoyable as possible. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens and joins in. If you follow us on social media or if you follow us on any of those platforms, thank you. Be sure to leave us a comment, send us an email, let us know what you think, openmicguest at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Good Lord, I can't even speak. So anyway, let's get to our guest, Kimberly Friedmutter. Welcome into the podcast. It's good to have you here today. Thank you so much. Well, we were talking off tape before we started recording. We're, we can see each other, which is nice, so it's good to have human interaction. And uh, we'll probably repurpose this video later as soon as I can figure out what to do. God knows we have uh, nothing but time on our hands right now. How are you doing with all of this craziness right now? Is the world ending? Are we going to make it out of this? I mean, what's what's your take? <laughs> I have I have COVID shaming. I hate to say it, but I'm doing great. And I think that we're all doing great. I think that most people, you know, really, um, when you look collectively at us and being a hypnotherapist, I uh, have this whole thing about, you know, subconscious and how we're reacting to it subconsciously. But honestly, if we look at our ability to pivot, which is really changing our perspective of who we think we were, right, that we now see is quite different, what we're capable of, which, of course, we didn't have to test because this hadn't occurred, but also that quick study. Do you remember Cliff Notes when you're in school, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we got those quick uh, Cliff Notes and quick study on evolution within like two weeks. I mean, you can really look at it that way and you can say everything we knew on the outside of our front door was what we knew and really very little experience with 
the inside of our door, right? So like, I'm sure a lot of people have done a lot of soul searching and a lot of really interior work, which is where I like to come in um, because that's the real stuff. And so, you know, when you hear men, a lot of times are talking about the inability to spend time with their children and, you know, the wives, gosh, I wish I could really connect with my husband and children. I wish I knew my mommy and daddy better. All of these things, now's our big chance. And as horrible as it had to be to be this kind of delivery system for us, I, I like to say like we closed our doors but we really opened our hearts to what's happened and I mean I've never seen people nicer I do a little loop around the block there's a three mile loop and I've never seen more people out number one so you know health and fitness um the guy just delivered one of those mirror um Oh, the mirror workout to the house. And he said, he's never seen more deliveries. He has like 50 more just in a few streets over in our small community here in Las Vegas. So if you can imagine, and the idea behind that is that people are getting fit, you know, clearly I know that an equal number of people are eating <laughs> too much <laughs> grazing and foundering as you raise your hand. That's cute. So what, what I look at is who are you on the inside? Now, what I would say, to someone like yourself if you find yourself grazing or, or foundering which is perfectly natural because as a man you're sent out to hunt and also to migrate as a herd being right we're pack animals to our core and wired that way so men I see are grazing and foundering more than women because they're used to going out and hunting so that hunt drive has to be brought in in another way and delivered in another way How's it delivered? Well, you're going to be re-emerging in hopefully two weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months, we don't know. But at some point, and I know that we're still on the upside of this, the upswing of that curve, but at some point, we're going to be turning that corner and thinking and talking about our reemergence and how are we going to reemerge out into that life? You know, I do hear a lot of phone calls coming in and out of this house and in different ways and forms. And one of the scary things that some of the business people are saying is what if we've all found a new way to do things? And especially even in the gaming industry, right? What if there's a new way to do things that, you know, people discover that now makes us obsolete? I don't believe that'll happen. Um, it's not, obviously not going to make you obsolete or me obsolete. I don't know if you know this, but funny little fun fact is that um, alcohol, sugar, and mental health care all rise in low tide. So in other words, those are the businesses that do really well in times like this. I can I could believe that. It's interesting that you mentioned the point. I'm always fascinated when I talk to hypnotherapists. I've interviewed a couple and I, I when Kelly told you told me about you, your your publicist, I was like, Oh god, I, I have to talk to her because I feel like such a time as this, so to speak, to really kind of delve into that other side of things. Yes. I wonder if that's why <laughs> this is very, very loose assumption, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Is that why people are hoarding all of these things like toilet paper and cleaning supplies? You feel like that they are just going into this mode of, oh, crap, let's get as much as we can. No pun intended. Oh, yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> very good. Well, well landed. So, so the great thing about the subconscious mind, 
so there's there, it's actually two minds. There's the conscious and the subconscious. It sounds like you're very familiar with the hypnosis and hypnotherapy. But for those of your listeners or viewers who are not, the idea is that you have your consciousness, which is your daily planner, your task doer, the person who makes your meetings and, you know, oh my gosh, you know, this, that, and the other, and all the doing things of your day. The subconscious mind is the feeling things. How do you feel about what you're doing? What's your perspective on this? What are your memories? What's your your emotional being like? You know, any negative emotions, any positive emotions, negative uh, habits, addictions, um, memories, your dreams, your immune system, all of these things. So you can see that the cards are stacked in that function of the subconscious rather than the consciousness. So where are all the goods in that subconscious? What happens when we hear a stay in place order is we panic because we're not oh, wow. stay in place creatures, right? Shelter in place. That's about the scariest thing you can tell, you know, a wildebeest, <laughs> you know, or a giraffe or something that's meant to roam and that's a pack animal. So our pack drive and our hunt drive are so strong that it throws us into run mode. Well, we can't run from COVID because Italy has it and China has it. You can't hop across a border. You know, you can't go anywhere where either you're not going to take it or be subjected to it. So there's literally, you know how people joke, there's no place to run, no place to hide. Well, this really is the case of that. So that's why that's shelter in place. Now, shelter in place hits into our survival mode. So our survival, your subconscious mind's first prime directive and, and highest prime directive is to survive. And then, of course, none of us living, you know, the way we live today want to just survive. We want to survive successfully, right? And we want to thrive. And so if I'm going to live su successfully, I need to not only have enough, you know, toilet paper, but I need to have enough, enough, enough of what I deem is enough as a person, you know, in society. So, but a lot of that hoarding was for resale. Now that's another kind of survival. That's another level of person, right? So you say, okay, enough for my family. Now, if I'm, and that's self-sustaining, which is proper, and that's in an appropriate level of survival, self-sustaining and making money on other people needing to self-sustain, that goes into the greed sector, is that I have enough, but I want more right? So when you're going to now resell, if, if they were doing it out of the goodness of their hearts, they'd be buying it and then they would be giving it and donating it on to the people in need. Mm. So we know that the survival instinct now has hopped into how can I make a living off of this or how can I make some money off of this, right? So that's where you have to draw your own moral line. The morality is also in the subconscious. So I, I liken the subconscious to an inner eight-year-old of you and inner eight-year-old of myself. And so that's the part of us that knows so much and is so like straightforward and is a straight shooter and says just how it is. And then it's, we're not at that age. And when I say eight, I mean around eight, it can be six, it can be 11, but that way that you felt the most you before you started to get PC and before you started to play well with others and worry about what others think that skewed your own behavior, you follow? So Eight-year-olds are very selfish. They're self-motivated. They are, you know, self-involved, self-absorbed, and they want the toilet paper. What's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. So depending on the level of greed, you take the toilet paper, we could call it toilet gate. The, le the level you take that at is whatever de degree of greed you're willing to accept for your own personal moral code. 
Wow, that is so interesting. It makes sense, honestly, for things to be viewed in that light. I, I, I just find this so interesting, and I will probably say that a million times over. Again, whenever I talk to a hypnotherapist or somebody that is in your particular field, I, in some ways, almost become self-conscious in a way because, first of all, I'm thinking, well, what does she or he think of me with the types of questions uh, that I'm asking? And when it gets really scary is when you interview a body language expert or someone who, (laughs) I don't know if you're familiar with Chase Hughes or Mark Bowden or those guys, but they're huge, Scott Rouse, in the body language venue and the types of questions that you ask. And they joke with me and go, no, to be honest, when we're having these conversations, I'm not really thinking about you, although you're very interesting. I'm more tuned into the conversation and what you're asking me so I can give you the best answer and kind of go down that venue of what it is that you are really trying to ask. And so basically I said, so you're just telling me I'm really not that interesting. And they kind (laughs) of laugh a little bit. Well, I appreciate you answering that. So I didn't have some questions that some people asked. And I do want to talk about your book because I really feel like, especially now in this time, it's super relevant uh, in the types of decisions that we can make and how we're going to live life. You said something earlier about what if we do figure out a new way to do things? Maybe the casinos won't be affected. You know, that whole piece of our, of our, entertainment culture entertainment culture but film television eating so the first question that i got was and you probably get asked this a lot who is a good candidate or not a good candidate for hypnotherapy regardless of whatever the problem is or whatever it is that they're trying to do whether it's break a bad habit break off a chain of choosing bad mates who's a good candidate for it So that's a really great question. You know, people um, often wonder what trance is. You know, they don't um, really understand what a hypnotic trance is. And and that's fair enough. And just to kind of start there to then go into the type of person that easily enters trance would be... Um, the, so the trance feel is, is something that's natural, but the actual event of trance is completely natural. So for example, during your day, let's use your example of foundering and and hunting for food by going to the fridge and you open it up and you can't remember what you went in there for. And you kind of just zone out like, Oh my gosh, what am I hungry for? And you just glaze over that's trance. The same thing people experienced back in the day. Remember when we could get in our, our car and drive places. Remember those days? Well, so when you used to be able to do that in the last five miles and you don't remember how you really consciously got there, you just were driving and you were lost in thought, that's trance. When you're a child and you're looking at the, you know, out the window in the school, uh, teacher says, you know, Johnny, put your head back in your case. Brett, put your, put your, you know, attention back in the room. Come back and join us in the room or taps the blackboard. That's trance. Looking at a beautiful fire pit, you know, the, the fireplace and the flames are dancing. That's trance. It's, it's all about losing the sight of consciousness and really putting your imagination to work. Now, it's effortless because it's natural. So um, when you watch a movie and, you know, you start to cry a little bit, shed a tear, or you get moved by something that you're seeing, you know it's actors and you know that you're in a film, but that emotion still comes up. That's also trance or you're at your um, 
concert back when we used to go to concerts. <laughs> One day we'll be laughing about this time that we were all inside. But for now, it's, it's that moment where you're swaying. You get caught in another thought, another d- a dimension, another time. So what I call zoning out versus zoning in. If you look at meditation, that's really going inside and keeping thought at bay and focusing on your breath. This is the opposite. This is not worrying about your breath. This is no conscious thought whatsoever. Let those thoughts come and tumble along as they may, just like clouds whisking through on a beautiful, you know, cloudy day. It's simply that. You don't have to try for it. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to practice it. People who practice trance and really consciously know that they're in that state, like right before you fall asleep, you know how you kind of drift off and there's that floaty moment right before you nod off. And then in the morning, there's that little floaty moment right before you gain consciousness again. That's that state of trance. What's nice about hypnosis is we can induce that. And so what's nice about self-hypnosis is you can induce that. (laughs) So as good as that feels, you don't have to wait for a fire pit or a long drive or the refrigerator or a good movie. (laughs) You can literally just self-hypnotize by by knowing what to do. And so I like to say two things. I like to say close your eyes and go within. And that going within is simply connecting to the part of you that's you. So that's you inside of you. And you know when you can feel that. So it's not paying attention to the clicking of the refrigerator or whatever. You know, none of that matters outside of your body. You're literally just focused, aligned. And when I say focused, I mean on yourself, inside you. And you can feel that feeling. Like if we just were quiet for a second, we closed our eyes. And we took a nice deep breath and we settled in. You start to bring your focus to you inside. I think, oh, there she is. There she is. And you can feel it on yourself, I'm sure. That's that part. That's the starting point. So that close your eyes and go within. That's that feeling. And we do it all the time. We do it when we're, you know, resting. It's just so natural and non-invasive and sustainable and 100% organic and all the other stamps that we like to put on things these days. But to answer your question of who's the most, um, I guess, uh, reactive to trance would be, and I like to say this loud and clear, it's anyone but always the most creative, imaginative, imaginative, smart people. People who know they can do it. Okay. People who imagine they can do it. I can't tell you how many um, evenings of bar talk, party talk, I'll have people you know, come up and, oh, hypnosis. Oh, that's so interesting. And then the grandstand, I can't be hypnotized. Nobody can hypnotize me. I have da-da-da. And I said, well, aren't you special? Like, that's amazing because I have yet to have met a human being that can't be hypnotized. In fact, you do it all day long yourself. You know, it's just a natural process. I said, so what makes you think you can't be hypnotized? Well, because, you know, I'm too bright, I'm too this, I'm too that. And I said, well, that's actually the, the qualities that hypnosis does require of you to be hypnotized. It's, it's a talent for that going through that imagination. Because here's what I would say to someone, close your eyes and go within. I would say, imagine a warm ray of golden light coming in through the top of your head. This is a very, you know, kind of common induction Feel the relaxation that that warm glow of golden light 
is letting your, you know, your back of your eyes relax. You go through everything, the follicles in your hair, the back of your ears, all these little idiosyncratic muscles in the face, your jaw, all of this behind. Let your jaw just relax. Now you can feel your neck, move your neck. Oh, that feels so good. And as that warm ray of golden light starts to move down into your chest, you can feel your shoulders, your trapezius, all of this, move those around. Oh, it feels so good to feel like hot, warm butter melting on hot pavement on a hot summer day. Feels so good to relax. Da, 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 da. Right, like lulling a baby to sleep. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. You know, I'm sure that there's some babies that are easier. You put them in the back seat of the car and you drive around, and in two seconds they're out, and maybe in five minutes they're out. So it's really that. But the beauty of hypnotic trance and self hypnosis is that it's you doing you. It's you doing it. Nobody is doing something to you. It's simply suggestibility. Like I could suggest something to the ladies here. I could say, oh, I suggest that you use, you know, this to do that or that to do this. And they could either take that suggestion or they could and not, right? They could put up the wall. So it really is just that. Are you willing and do you want to? Because, you know, Hollywood likes to portray hypnosis as something that makes you yeah. do things out of your control. And that's just not the truth of it. Um, stage show, Chris Angel lives down the street. And so every now and then we'll pop into each other and visit and he's, um, and say hello. He, he knows how to do that for his entertainment. This is clinical hypnosis. And you really, you know, you're aware of what's happening. No one can make you do something that you don't want to do. It's really interesting that you mentioned that because as soon as you started answering that question, that's the first person that came into my mind. Oh, I love Chris Angel. He is, oh man. (laughs) Isn't he talented? He came in, you know, at this time and really filled this niche. I mean, I just, he really, he's something. He really is. Yeah. I've been a fan of his long before he became Chris Angel, but that's, a whole nother conversation. And it's funny that you mentioned and distinguished the two. I like that because what we see on TV as far as hypnosis, it, you know, bark like a dog, balk like a chicken. You know, I feel like that they just kind of make it look so corny, but I, I have experienced it personally. I have had it done before when I was going through my divorce and kind of working through things my therapist did a little bit of it and I was the same way. I was like, I don't think it's going to work. And then all of a sudden we're tapping into things and dealing with things that I didn't even realize existed and was able to identify like dealing with PTSD Mm. uh, from relationships. So Mm. I'm an advocate of it. I think it's super helpful. And I do also like the fact that you mentioned that the person has to be willing to, participate right right oh yeah oh yeah because let me just clarify so the things that that magicians do and of course i'm living in las vegas again in an entertainment town so i know all of them Siegfried and roy and everybody they're all friends but here's the thing is that that is also happening but it's in a different way so they they are super excited to bring people on that are suggestible, you know, oh, yeah. we'll do it because I'm a people pleaser. So I'm the first one I would hop up on Me stage too. and be like, yeah, right. And we raise our hands because why we participate, we participate in life. I participate in the cakewalk. I participate in the passing out of masks. I participate in everything. And so I'm a participatory person, right? 
try to say that twice. And so, and you are too. And so we're game to do it. We're good to do it. And so it's not to say that that's not happening because nothing is as electric or as entertaining or as fun as getting up on stage with Chris Angel and being, you know, a star for a second and, you know, how fun and how alluring and of course, and, you know, and of course it's real for the moment, but when you're talking about real issues and time and clinical hypnotherapy, that's a whole different thing. And then also when you're talking about in the book, self-hypnosis, that's a third whole other thing because self-hypnosis, like in the book, I talk about how to find lost items around the house. I find how to talk about how the subconscious can guide you to the best parking spaces, how it can keep you out of trouble, how it can know, it can alert you to know how, who's good for you when and how good they are for you now in the midterm or in the long term. And so there's all of these neat things that your subconscious is just constantly tapping you on the shoulder for that it's just basically saying, you know, use me, use me utilize utilize again that little inner eight-year-old you can't ignore an eight-year-old you just can't <laughs> and they will they will make sure that you don't and so that part of us our inner stenographer that's always recording you know your your subconscious mind is working when you're sleeping so that that eight-year-old boy in you never never rests from the point of conception until the day you transition out of this place. We don't know what happens after that, of course, but during this time here on this planetary experience and having this moment, you are, you are guided and assisted like a personal assistant. If anyone ever wanted an assistant, this is it. And she's there and he's there for you recording everything. That's where your memory comes from. Even how you stack memories, repression, how we don't remember things that are too traumatic to remember. A lot of PTSD comes from that, whereas it was post-traumatic for a reason. The subconscious suppresses it because it knows emotionally that you can't handle that feedback and that information. And so it only lets it come up to the surface when it can be dealt with and when it can successfully be dealt with from a survival standpoint. That's one of our inner firewalls, you know? <laughs> it's We're so computer-oriented. This is the motherboard, you know, the subconscious. <laughs> That's exactly. And then we have all these firewalls built around for protection. No kidding. Yeah. Totally. Well, that was fantastic. <laughs> we could solve all the world's problems in just one conversation. Well, I had one more question, but then you mentioned the book and you, I did read your book before we talked to prepare for the interview and it's just really special subconscious power. Use your inter inner mind to create the life you've always wanted. And you talk about six things and then you go into all these different things and then there's really three pieces to the book and this link will be available in our show notes and I, I highly recommend people read this and it will just literally change your perspective on a lot and there's a lot of books out there that deal with this but I kind of feel like your book deals with these types of issues on a more personal level and allows me as the reader to take ownership of some of those decisions instead of just blaming people. On a side note, have you ever heard of Landmark before? Are you familiar yes. with this? Yes. I've gone through all of those courses and those literally changed my life. And maybe we can have you back again and talk about that because that's just a whole nother thing. But some of these pieces I think apply to it. So let's talk about the book. But the first question I have about the book, <laughs> ironically, is does our subconscious affect or impact us in the types of people that we choose to date. 
or we choose a thousand percent. Okay. Let's talk about that just for a couple minutes here. How does it affect it? Like people always say, I want to marry someone like my mom or I want to don't want to date somebody like my dad or this guy I'm dating is like my dad or I am attract people always ask, do you have a type? So there's a million different questions there. I think we can just answer it by saying, does our subconscious affect the people that we choose to date? Ready, set, go. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So here's the thing with that is that mate selection is very primal and all primal instincts and impulses come from in our intuition, our gut, all of that comes from the subconscious. So actually that is the only place your mate selection comes from as <laughs> your subconscious okay. mind. And so the beauty in that is notice your own impulses. So what I would say to someone that's looking to, you know, seal the deal, put a ring on it or whatever with someone is look at your own impulses and see what you do. There's a section in the book, a chapter called, do you move toward or away? Mm -hmm. And this is simply knowing your orientation. Do you move toward things that are good for you and away from things that are bad for you or the opposite? You know, you always hear ladies sitting around and they'll say, Oh, you know, my son, well, you know, he just is going from the frying pan into the fire. Doesn't seem to know what's good for him. And so what happens is if you're that type of person where you're just flailing to the next and flailing to the next, and you don't really have an orientation of where you're headed, you might want to look to see that and make sure that you're not just going away, away, away from trouble, as opposed to having an orientation of this is what I want. So the answer is actually in each person. So when you read the book and you notice that orientation, you know, even when you do maps on your phone and you're in the car, you still have to start in a place and you have to put a place in that you want to go, right? You have to have a destination. And so when you do that with your personal life, everything starts to change. And also when you're in alignment with that part of you, people come in differently. You might not have the, you know, I don't know your personal history, but let's just say that you're attracted to crazy ladies. And then, well, and then it's funny you mentioned that. <laughs> Are you psychic too? Because I am. I am. I always mention funny things like the Chris Angel thing. I haven't ever mentioned like to anybody, you know, like why that comes up. I don't know. And then you know so much about him, but all of these things happen. And, and then again, that alignment of who you're attractive to that animal magnetism. So, because you want to be attracted, attractive to the people who suit and serve you best, right? And who align with your beliefs and all that. Just life is sweeter that way. And you want to be less attractive to the people that aren't, the troublemakers or whatever. And so when you get really clear inside and it's not a conscious clear, there are so many fun things in the book, which is no wonder that it made this huge crossover. You know, I wrote it. I wasn't out to write a book. Harper Collins reached out and asked me if I would write a book that they were interested in about this because no one had really hit that part of it that you were so kind to mention. And so then as we went on, Simon and Schuster ended up making this beautiful bid on the book and it was Atria Books within Simon and Schuster who also published The Secret. Why? Because the secret, of course, made this big, you know, splash in the world. And this first time people are talking about alignment with what you want. But where does that alignment come from? It comes mm -hmm. from the subconscious. So this is almost the scientific prequel to the secret, if you would. It's not woo-woo at all. It's very scientific. But what's fun is it gives you back the autonomy and it gives you back that sense of agency to come up with your own thoughts and your own things, right? And to align yourself so that the right people are coming to you. And, and I don't know if you remember Gavin DeBecker years ago wrote this oh, yeah. book, The Gift of Fear. 
And so I cite that in the book because he's talking about as this, you know, amazing special security person for, I think he's even the security guy now for the cloud. Did you know the cloud has a security force around it? Oh yeah. Yeah. That, Jordan Harbinger did a whole thing on that. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so, but the idea is that this is very much, you know, no one's more primal than Gavin DeBecker. And he writes about that, that primal gift of fear. And that is exactly what that is in here that either paralyzes you or sends you running, you know, flight, uh, fight, flight, or freeze, you know, freeze is that third option. That's kind of what we're experiencing right now. So as we're starting to thaw out and figure out how we're going to reemerge into the world, the book did so well, CNN listed it as Amazon's bestseller, and it started making all these crossovers into the business world of what America's leading CEOs are reading, what every lawyer should read, things like this. Jeffrey Katzenberg was photographed with it in his hands. There's amazing things happening and shifts that are happening in the world now where people are really ready to go neck up and they're really ready to start using this five square inches of mass that we call the mind to use as their benefit and as their guidance system because we have it it's like literally brett if i brought this amazing like most uh state-of-the-art machinery into your office and i said here and i plunked it down i said this is the manual that's the book for this it's a manual for how to run your own mechanics in the book, you also talk about, you know, being able to map out the type of job that you want or the type of relationship. For me, maybe it's the type of podcast guest that I want to get. Yes. And it's interesting, again, it's so bizarre, or maybe not how this has all worked out, but there was a specific comedian that I wanted to book and I thought she'll never say yes, there's no chance. Lisa Lampanelli. Oh, you know, yeah. yeah. What did you know after all of these different things and reading your book and just really, she's been on my show now. Holy cow. How is that even possible yeah. on my, what I feel to be a tiny little show in the big spectrum. But at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe I, that negative thinking Yes. You know, has affected me and not to name drop, but we've talked about so many other people. Yeah. I'm like, so the sky is literally the limit as far as, you know, who I could get on my show. I might not always get a yes, but it doesn't hurt to ask. So I want to, you talk about those types of things, you know, maybe it's a career path or even money. How much of that is our responsibility and how much of it is the mindset like where is where does the upshot lie as far as like is it can we just wave a magic wand i don't think that to be true and get what we want but how much how much of that do we because your book is not woo woo at all how 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 does that all pan out if that question love, makes sense. love 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 that question the the reason the title is subconscious power use your inner mind to create the life you've always wanted is because it is 100 percent where everything you have, everything you've known, everything you've done, everything you will do comes from. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee it. Look, so my husband's an architect and he's the perfect example of this because nothing gets built that he didn't think of Mm -hmm. for his clients, of course, at first, right? So every thought, look around your room. So I see your room. That room was someone's thought. That thought went onto paper. 
that paper then was instruction for 3D movement and action to build a 3D structure. Every single thing in our life is a thought. The only reason we don't think of things that happen to us is because they're mellifluous, they're fluid, they move, there's action, they come and they go. Same thing with emotions, relationships, um, agreements that we enter into and exit out of. All of these things are things that move through our life, right? We don't give them the same impetus that we do an actual fixed structure. Mm -hmm. And that's just because our opinion about what is fixed and what isn't. So once you fix that alignment and you literally line it up, and when I say fix, I really mean adjust, tweak, uh, you know, make that alignment come real and true and real solid for you, just like a structure, literally like a beam running up through you that you're so solid in yourself that you know what you want, you know all of those things. Life starts to circle around you and create that, but it has to be here first. That when you were talking about Lisa Lampanelli, I'm thinking about that manifest a goal exercise in the book where you literally create the happening and the occurrence of that goal in your mind right? All imagination, beautiful. It, like some, if someone says, oh, it's all in your head, say thank you. <laughs> that's exactly where I want it. <laughs> I want it in my head because that's from, from my head is where all great things. You had to think of doing a podcast. You, now you have a podcast. You had to think of asking her. Now you have her. All of these things are like, they're just there for the picking. If you could see them, it would take the fun out of it. If you could, you know, I, I always feel like we're just this, um, if you imagine like a channel above us running with all of these things and opportunities above, and we're just literally like popping in a little siphon and taking our little part, right? I'm not putting in a big roadway and trying to funnel down the whole thing. I just want a little part and I'm just sticking my siphon in every now and then through the subconscious, connecting to all of that information and what comes down is mine. And then also what I call for is mine. I just pop it in like, oh, okay this, that, the other, you know, all of these goals, that's the manifesto goal. It's the easiest thing in the world. And it gives you great pleasure and joy when it happens, right? Don't you just like get this little sparkle, like it feels almost magical? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And it's the same thing, even on a small basis, if, if you're thinking of someone and they call, or you have an email, you know, from someone that you were thinking about two days ago, all those little bits of what we think sometimes are magic or what we think, oh, that's so kawinky dink, you know, is like a common little girl term, you know, it's such, such a coincidence. I don't believe in those. I believe in that beaconing out. I believe in that energetic tap on the door, knock on the, you know, little tap on the shoulder, knock on the door or a phone call. I believe in all of that because I see it evidenced before me time and time again. Again, that parking space exercise is really funny because that can happen, you know, tomorrow. The next time you go to the market and God knows how busy everything is right now, do that exercise. Imagine that you're literally pulling in, get aligned, and that space will open up for you. And same thing with even, you know, the things that you need at the market. Be led and be guided to the place that has those things you need because the subconscious has a greater reach than what you physically or visually have uh, physical impressions of case in point, and I'll, I'll be super quick. I hand out envelopes, just pretend this is an envelope and it has an image inside. And I would hand this sealed envelope to someone and I would say, right on the outside, whatever impression comes to mind, connect with the envelope, just feel it for a second. And then just, it could be a word, it could be a shape, it doesn't matter what it is. You open that up and it's the thing. 
I kid you not. It is the most fun exercise. I'll do it when I speak with groups of a few hundred people. I'll have an envelope on every chair with a pen. And it is fascinating. People come up in tears because they get to see how connected they are to that which they couldn't see. They couldn't gain physical impression to, and yet they knew. The expanded and the um, really fine-tuned uh, exercise of that is considered remote viewing, which I'm sure you've heard of. Mm -hmm. The government uses it to find, you know, people and installations and things. You know, we use that. Talk about scientific. That's science. It's a, amazing. Literally, they can give someone a latitude and longitude and these different coordinates, and they know what's there, and they can sit there and just draw it out. They can draw what was there 50 years ago and is no longer there when it's changed. Like it might be an airfield right now, and it used to be a water tank, you know, back in the 1920s, say. You know, it doesn't, so it shows you that that impression doesn't have a time lock on it. Fascinating. I think people underestimate just how connected we are in so many different spheres of influence. And I, I do believe, you know, we do attract the people that come to us based on the way we think about ourselves and, and how we view ourselves and what we're actually capable of. It's, you were talking about something you said about, um, oh, it escapes my memory now, about there's no such thing as coinkydinks or accidents. It's right. funny. <laughs> it's like, you know, have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to somebody and then something slips out that's the truth that maybe they don't intend for you to know or a piece of information to know? Does that, do you, under, you know what I'm talking about? 100%. Yes. It's funny. I was watching, I've been binge watching Breaking Bad. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Sure. sure. There's a scene in the series where there's a whole situation about two cell phones and then all of a sudden like the information slips out about him actually having two cell phones. Do you believe, how, how does that whole thing work where there's somebody and they, the truth slips out, you're having a conversation. Is that all tied into the subconscious as well? Could you talk a little bit about that sort of thing similarly in the book, maybe not specifically, but yeah. I've, I've always been curious about that. So that inner eight-year-old, that's where he, she really thrives because everyone knows that if you're around that eight-year-old person, and again, it doesn't have to be eight, it's around that time frame, is truth is paramount. So, you know, if you try to say something, an eight-year-old, nah-uh, uh-uh, you know, would call you on it, right? Because that's how they are. That's the nature of that, of that age. What happens is your subconscious is always trying to out you. It's always trying to get you to the truth because that's your survival. So you were talking earlier about the, um, the body parts specialist, body action. Body language, yeah. Body language, thank you. And so the twirling, if I'm, and now I, for those of you who can't I'm twirling my hair. Okay. This shows that there's, you know, a nervous thing with me, right? Or if I start rubbing my shoulder, it shows I'm trying to self-soothe. If I'm looking down, you know, the avoidance thing, all of these different things are that subconscious, same thing. And I've actually done a lot of body language things with people in the past because, you know, the very obvious ones, like which way do your a woman, does she cross her legs and where does her foot point to who in the room? And if it bounces back and forth and, you know, all of those different things, when a woman exposes her neck, if I did this, if I turn this way to you and I expose my neck to you, that would be considered very sexual. If I, 
went like this and kind of my hair all on the other side and went like this, this would be a protective move, right? Arms closed, all of the things that we read about, you know, but the, but the subconscious is doing that. Those are subconscious fidgeting behaviors, tapping of the pen, you know, doing the fingers, all that, even nail biting. It all tells a story. And that story is coming directly from the subconscious mind because what happens is those words come out when you said, uh, I don't know if that whole toilet paper thing is a load of crap. You know, that was funny. That's that, right? So your subconscious is in there, right? Even in humor, that in, pardon my language, but that, but that, that subconscious mind slips in and does that all the time. And I challenge you because it's so much fun to do is now with that ear, knowing that with that special idea in mind, with that ear, notice all of the funny things you say during the day that that mean. Like I could have said, um, like let's say that the that the floor, like say there was a puddle right here, and I could say, oh, you know, that almost slipped my mind. It would be something like that. Like if I was thinking, oh, I hope I don't slip, and then I might use that word that might you know come out subconsciously to make conscious awareness of that thing you follow i mean that's not a perfect example but i get it yeah something to that effect and then i'd also just like to say too is that even like before i started the radio show you know i had that radio show on the howard stern station in la on klsx 97.1 fm and it was um i was i had suffered from stage fright and was just really pretty introverted and couldn't even imagine doing anything like that and I was hypnotized out of that behavior and so that's what first intrigued me people sometimes say well what got you into the business that's what did it because mm -hmm. just like your experience where you were having PTSD and all of these things is that it, it's a soft protocol I like to word it that way because you almost feel like it's not happening until your behavior shows you that it did wow it's it's self-evidencing so when we use convincers that the idea that it you, it's your own self-evidence and it's evidence to you that that behavior no longer exists. So it's not like something had to happen or like there was, hallelujah, you know, and fireworks, right? It just all of a sudden you slide out of that negative behavior. And that's the beauty of self-hypnosis. That's the beauty of hypnotherapy. It's the beauty of all of it is that all of a sudden that negative behavior just doesn't exist anymore. Wow. Definitely a lot to, to chew on and to consider. So if there was one particular message or overarching theme, because there's so many fantastic things in the book. And again, the link to that will be in our show notes. What would that message be that you hope if, if somebody picks this up and reads it, what is one major takeaway that you would hope people to grab onto? The main takeaway overall macro picture is that you are in control of everything you do, everything you eat, everything you see, everything you hear. You know, we give ourselves so much um, leeway because we're adults. But remember, keeping in mind that that inner eight-year-old is really taking it all in is you wouldn't see half the things you see, watch half the things you watch. By the way, I had done a film with Brian Cranston years ago. He's such a nice man. But you would be more discerning about your own intake and output if you considered yourself and really considered that part of you as that eight-year-old. The big takeaway is that you have all of the autonomy to do everything. I just started an e-course online 
for weight management. And the reason I did it is because people's labs, you know, their lab work is coming so bad, back so bad. And now um, what's starting to supersede diabetes is fatty liver. Fatty liver, the problem with that is it can't store glycogen, you know, to use as energy for the body. And that's going to be the next thing that you'll see uh, crop up from all of the, I'm on the health systems uh, board at UCLA. And that's like the next thing that we're looking at is the big, you know, chronic issue collectively. But that said, the fact that you don't have to eat what people guilt you into eating and all of these different things that eating, like the whole weight management thing is neck up because everybody's trying to do it from neck down. I'm going to work out harder and I'm going to eat less. I'm going to do all these things. Yes, there's a, a biological link, of course, but the, but the wanting to. You know, if you start here and you want to do that and you decide to do that, that's where that then, whatever that is, whether you want to do paleo and keto and all these things, I like plant-based best, but whatever that thing is, and I don't even get into that being a not nutritionist first or a, uh, yeah, I'm not a nutritionist. So I don't speak to that, but what I do speak to is the fact that that mental wanting to is here. It's really within those few square inches. And there's a lot of good recipes in the book that kind of kickstart you because when you read the book, you're now in that mindset of wanting to do all of these things. You know, it's multi-pronged, certainly not just about weight loss, but there's a thing in there about weight management. And then that e-course, if you just put your email in, I can send you a thing that'll tell you when it's going to come out. It should be a couple of weeks from now, but at least it puts you on the list to get the information. Yeah, absolutely. So what is the best way for people to connect with you? As we wrap up here to get in touch with you, what do you prefer? How, how can they find you outside of all of this? Because I oh. think everybody needs to connect with you. Oh, perfect. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So KimberlyFriedmutter.com and it's F-R-I-E-D-M-U-T-T-E-R, KimberlyFriedmutter.com. And on that website, you'll see courses if you're interested in the weight management thing. It's kind of fascinating because when I, I I've always done it private clients and and in a therapeutic sense. And then someone said, just, you know, this is really something that's so helpful because we all have a subconscious mind. We just need to use it, need to know what to look for in those little catches that get us tripped up because it's not the diet. I mean, I could literally be on the chocolate cake diet. I can be on the, you know, whatever diet. Louis uh, Anderson is so funny. I'm sure you know him. He, we were watching him the other night and he said, you know, he said, it really bothers me when the waitress asks me what I want on my salad. Because first of all, I'm more a salad, which is already that, right? And then she asked me, well, what do I want on my salad? And I said, I want chocolate cake on my salad. I want chocolate cake. What do you think I want on my salad? You know, just put whatever on it and give me the salad. So I laugh about that, but, uh, but it really is neck up and it's deciding once you have that mechanism just tripped in your mind, you reach for the right things because the failure is really just the, oh my gosh, you know, it's just where that, we lose that connection, that primal connection to our survival. So once you flip that switch it's just it's brilliant my husband lost 60 pounds being hypnotized wow. I know he lost 60 pounds and then his lab work you know he got off his medication and all of these beautiful things start happening lab wise I'm a big fan of lab work because I love science and we know that weight is just a residual of those good labs so once you're really locked into doing you know better for yourself and that wanting to I just you don't have to struggle like people struggle with it you really don't well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I feel like people are going to get a lot out of this. And 
I hope you stay safe. And thank you. And I thank- should say that uh, the book's available on Amazon and all the retailers online, of course. Um, it is sold out at the publisher right now. So what's okay. out there is out there. And so um, there's that. And then also at Kim Friedmutter is all of the social channels and whatnot. But KimberlyFriedmutter.com is perfect. Well, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it, Kimberly. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for choosing to join in to this week's episode. Be sure to follow the show on social media, Brett's Open Mic on all platforms, and to subscribe to the show on your player of choice, which is absolutely free. Finally, please consider sharing this episode with a friend. Every little bit helps. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.